Uh, folks, uh, normally uh, Fridays on this channel, there's lots of dangerous programming, GPP propaganda, trying to chase top prizes and guaranteed prize pools. Lots of nonsense. I finally commandeered the channel back on a trajectory that I actually feel comfortable about. And that's playing the best plays. It's identifying the highest four plays. It's playing cash games. It's all about turning $10 into 18 and to help guide me through this cash game cosmos, I can't think of a better individual than the Blitz's very own Derek Cardies. It isn't the block party today. It is the cash party. Let's do it. Peter's one of the greatest depositors I've ever seen. Trust the process. Let's go. I got auto match with Levin Tan. Bullshit. I just go the other way. In that 66, I win all the money. All the money. I had 150 lineups, I'd win two. Uh, AP, cold spot, bullets in your head like KD. Bust it, bust it, bitch, go bust it. And I had sad pipes with me in Russia. Hey, everyone. All right. It is none other than Derek Cardi from the Blitz. Roto Grinders, you guys know him, a man about town, a projection extraordinaire. Derek, this has become an annual tradition. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. This is... uh obviously the best week of the year. I don't know why it's contained to week 18. It should be all the time if you ask me, but uh, week 18 is the best week of the year for for this. Yeah. I mean, I've, I feel like I've been really kind of carrying the torch this week, reminding people about how great this game is. Like, what are your thoughts on the overall ecosystem of cash games in 2023 DFS? We got all these GPP bros using SIM products now. How do you feel about the overall cash game environment? I mean, it's really the purest form of the game, if you ask me. Cash games are are what separate the men from the boys. And it's gotten a little sharper. You know, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people have kind of moved away from cash games. They say, oh, there's not a lot of edge in cash games anymore. There's still a lot of edge in cash games, especially in football. There, there's a lot of edge. There's a lot of people making bad plays. There's still bad chalk in the year of our Lord 2024. And so... Uh, yeah, that, that's the state of cash games. They're still good if you're if you're able to identify the best plays. I know we have like a lot of, you know, reformed GPP players around here. They finally found God. They saw the light and uh, now they're playing a real man's game. But for those who aren't familiar, could you maybe give them just some like 101 tips, maybe contest selection, kind of like what their process is? Because I've heard from some of these guys and really what they do is they just they sort by ownership projections. They find any play that's sub 5%, a shitty play, and then they build a lineup around those and say, uh, you know, trust the process, like you'll be unique. Like that's what they do. So like if we're trying to get them on the straight and narrow, what are some tips for them? Tip number one, use projections um, because projections are going to be better than anybody's intuition. Uh, tip number two, I guess game selection and bankroll management we should talk about a little bit. Um, yeah. You know, don't overextend yourself. Play the same amount every single week, basically. Um, Head-to-heads are generally better than than double-ups, than 50-50s. The rate's going to be a little bit lower, especially if you're posting your own. You'll you'll find weaker competition. Uh, and, yeah, play the best plays. Play the best plays. It always does come back to that. And would you say, as someone who does projections, you know, for every week, I mean, week 18, we have a ton of moving pieces. We got injuries. We got teams that aren't motivated. We have starters sitting. Like, from a projection standpoint, is this the hardest week for you? It is. Uh, like you said, you have to consider who's actually playing this week, who's sitting, how much are the backups playing, what are the Detroit Lions 
going to be doing like we have no idea and uh yeah so so it's tough you know and the guys okay so the chiefs are sitting everybody this week all right well trying to figure out who's going to get the volume you know based on you know who's been getting two or three percent of the targets all year is it's not an exact science yeah and so how do you like are are you going in and making manual adjustments based on because we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot of these spots where you'll have you know some of these backup running backs say on the Niners stepping into big roles but the Niners don't have anything to play for so like within the like granule projections or is there any like motivation boost that you're giving here? Yeah, you have to incorporate some sort of subjectivity for these things. Like I'm sure we'll get into it. You know whether obviously McCaffrey's not playing, but is Eli Mitchell going to get the work? Is Jordan Mason going to get the work? We don't really know. The best you do is you try to you try to weigh every possible scenario, and the projection is ideally an average of you know, a weighted average of each possible scenario. To me, it seems more likely than not Mason's going to get more of the work. You know, McCaffrey's injured. If he can't go in the playoffs, they're going to want Mitchell. He's the better guy. If this were a normal week, Mitchell would be, you know, the guy we would be playing here. But without anything to play for and Mitchell having dealt with injuries all year, basically, why would they give Mitchell a giant workload in a game that doesn't matter? Like, give it to the third string running back. And like that, that's the way I'm approaching it. But, but we don't know. We don't know. And that, that is part of what makes week 18. Uh, more challenging. What about contract incentives? This has been a hot topic on sports betting Twitter. Do they matter? Is it baked into prop lines? Obviously, fantasy and cash games is a different scenario. Are you going into the DeAndre Hopkins projection and saying this guy can make another seven hundred fifty thousand with a few more catches and touchdowns, or is that not part of your process? What I'm really upset about is that Baltimore is not on the main slate this week because you know that people would be jamming Odell Beckham into their lineups. Even though he's ruled out, you're going to still see 5% of people playing Odell Beckham. And uh, it's a shame. It's a shame. Uh, to some extent, I think they can matter. Um, where it's actually possible for the guy to kind of be pushed in that direction. Like if uh, if Tannehill or, or Levis or whoever's going to be starting for Titans this week, you know, says, okay, we want to get Hopkins his, his bonus. He can throw him the ball a bunch of times. Like that, that can be a real thing. Ones where it's like, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield needs to make the playoffs to get a, you know, to get a, a, a bonus. Like, don't do anything for that because what do you, he hasn't been trying to get that all year. Like he hasn't been playing his best already, like just to not fall out of the NFL entirely. Like there's not going to be any difference for him this week. Um, so you, you kind of have to think about it a little bit, a little bit logically, a little bit like, okay, is this real? Could this actually be a thing that, that they can actually try to do this week um so yeah it's you week. mentioned you yeah. mentioned the ravens thing dude we were deprived because we were going to get a double narrative not only the odell thing but it's lamar jackson's birthday on sunday oh. you would have gotten the lamar birthday stack narrative with odell i mean we would have been able to run laps around these fish yeah for sure that's a shame um, all right, this is what I want to do. I want to pull up. I got the uh, the Fantasy Life Game Hub here so we can kind of get like a high-level overview of this slate. Um, obviously, two games we don't have on the main slate on Saturday, and then we have uh, a Sunday night game that isn't on the main slate. Otherwise, we have all kinds of different ways we can go. Um, obviously, for cash games, we are just singling out the best plays. But do you find the concentration of best plays this week 
being confined to a, a couple specific game environments? Are there any environments that specifically stand out to you? Yeah, the one that stands out to me, and I don't know if this will be the... So one of the things I probably should have mentioned off the top with, with cash games, a lot of people will say, you know, play the safe plays, you know, play the chalk. And you can. The chalk is generally not going to be bad, but you don't have to. There are times, plenty of times, where the best plays are not the chalk, um, mm. especially if to get a little higher level, like the way I build my projections is very different than the way everyone else in the industry does. And where I feel like a lot of other systems can be very similar to each other, my system can go out on a ledge sometimes because it's accounting for things that others aren't. And so sometimes, you know, you're going to be playing things that aren't like the chalk chalk in cash because they're the best plays. And that's okay. One of those this week, the, the game environment that the Blitz really likes this week is the Vikings game. Uh, the Viking side in particular. Uh, we're going to get into it, but basically it thinks that Justin Jefferson is the play over CeeDee Lamb. Um, and CeeDee Lamb projects more ownership right now. Uh, I think he'll be kind of like the chalk. I see other systems projecting him, you know, really, really well. And it's not like CeeDee Lamb is bad by any means. Like he's great. The Blitz likes him, but it likes Jefferson more and Jefferson's cheaper. So that's kind of one thing that I'm sure we'll get into. But that game in general, I love Nick Mullins, lock him into your lineups. Like Nick Mullins is your cash quarterback. Can I just say the quiet part out loud when you talk about your projection system baking in things that others might not be factoring in? Are we talking about dome boners? We are talking a little bit about dome boners. There's there's some other stuff in the in the mix too, but that that's a big part of it. Domes, weather. Um, I don't think other systems are accounting for that that well. Uh, pace, uh, I think the Blitz does a really good job of accounting for, um, you know, game script type stuff even. I, I think a lot of systems aren't doing the best job with. So there are a lot of things that, uh, you know, the public will generally get pretty close, I think, um, but not always all the way there. I mean, look, I, I just went for a run outside here in New England on the eastern seaboard. It was 27 degrees out, and uh, you're telling me that a bunch of people want to play C.D. Lamb in tundra-like temperatures <laughs> in Washington when we can play a cheaper, more alpha-wide receiver in a dome environment? You're telling me this is this is a dynamic that's unfolding this week. That's the way it's looking. I mean, it's still a little early, but that's the way it's looking right now. And we can't forget that the Cowboys are two touchdown favorites. Yeah, they have a high total. So if CeeDee Lamb scores two touchdowns, great, he's going to smash. Uh, but there's a chance that the Cowboys only have to throw the ball 20 times this game. So like how much can CeeDee Lamb really do? Um, again, nothing against CeeDee Lamb, but Justin Jefferson is in a dome, faster paced game, better game script, um, better receiver, honestly. The only thing really that C.D. Lamb has going for him over Jefferson is uh, is he has a better quarterback by by a substantial margin. Um, but Jefferson is also cheaper, you know, basically the same type of volume. He's in an offense that likes to pass the ball more to begin with. So I, I just think there's a lot of checks in the Jefferson box that uh, are not in the C.D. box this week. Um, question on kind of like the dome boner secret sauce. If there is like a, a warm weather outdoor game um i'm trying to find one on the slate i mean i guess maybe carolina the weather should be fine uh there um maybe san francisco oh chargers i guess is like an okay one like are those weighted equally like if there's zero weather issues versus a dome or does a dome still get a little bonus even on top of that so the way the blitz accounts for it is it has basically a formula based on historical data what's actually happened in the nfl um at each 
at each uh, degree of temperature. So it's going to treat a 70 degree temperature forecast differently than it's going to treat a 71 degree temperature forecast. And you're not going to notice in the projection, it's minuscule, but it is there. And so when you're looking at, you know, a 90 degree game versus a 30 degree game, or, you know, this week, a lot of 30 and 40 degree games versus a 70 in a dome, there will be a difference there. It does the same with wind every mile per hour. You know, it's linear. Every mile per hour adds more. So in a dome, you have zero wind. In the New England game this week, we're going to have like 20 mile per hour wind. So it's it's a big difference. Um, so that, that's basically the way that the blitz accounts for it. And so domes, the, the temperature not as important, but the wind is very important. And in a dome, there's there's never any wind. Amen to that. Um, I, I do just want to circle back. You you did mention the word ownership, which I get queasy as the cash game king. You know, I just want to play the best plays. I want to, you know, have other people make mistakes. Will you talk about like your cash game process? I, I mean, are you actually breaking ties? Like if you had two players who were projected for the exact same amount down to the decimal, would you look at which one was going to be more or less popular in cash games and double ups? Yeah, I wouldn't. I'd play the guy that's most popular. Um, when you it's would. When, okay. Yeah. When it's close, you lean towards the guy that is, that is going to be more heavily owned but you don't have to jam in a guy that's going to be heavily owned if you're sacrificing a lot of projection for it. So explain to the GPP bros here uh, why you actually are trying to seek out more ownership in your lineup. <laughs> uh, I mean, in a GPP, obviously you want the lower ownership because you're trying to separate yourself from the field. You're trying to finish with a, you know, a top 1%, you know, a top one percentile outcome. In cash games, you don't necessarily need to finish with a top one percentile outcome. If you're playing double ups and 50-50s, you just have to finish in the top 50%. That's not to say you want to sacrifice projection or or value, you know, just to get that safety. I think safety is overrated by cash game tout sometimes, but um, especially if you're playing head-to-heads, it is uh, it's not as important. But in general, where it's close in a cash game, yeah, lean towards the guy that's going to be more popular. You mentioned cash game touts. Who are some of the cash game touts you respect uh, in the space? Because there's only a handful of us now that I personally um, really look up to these days. I mean, there's really only one in my mind that I have any respect for, and it's the cash game king. And that's about it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what do you, what kind of mistakes do you see other cash game touts making out there other than like making really shitty lineups and then Hail Mary late swapping uh, in the 4 p.m. games? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times it is a little bit too much herd mentality with cash games. Um, a lot of times it is, uh, I mean, defenses are a whole conversation. Like generally defense doesn't matter. You know, if a defense is going to be really chalky, you can try to lean towards playing them. But a lot of times, uh, it really doesn't matter. Just play a cheap defense and you're going to be fine. Like prioritize, you know, the actual players more. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and not using projections, you know, using narratives, using narratives is still a thing that, that happens a lot. I want to do, I want to say a phrase and I want you to tell me, uh, what comes to mind, just kind of free association. Here's the phrase blended optimal. I don't have a word. Blended optimal is fine. It's going to be your safest play. Aggregates are generally going to be a little bit more 
precise than any individual system over the long run. Um, I don't have a problem with people doing that. Um, but I do think it's better to use a system that is accounting for things that all those other blends aren't rather than a blend. How about this? Hear me out. Weighted blended optimal with a higher weight for the blitz projection. Now, now you're speaking my language. Is that cash game Nirvana? Weight, that kinda, blitz that heavy is. weighted blended optimal. That seems pretty ideal to me. Okay. Do you ever, like, what is your, like, look, you crush in these projections, but like everyone, we're fallible. We're humans. Like, what's part of your process? Like, when you see, like, uh, like what's something you've gotten wrong that you've been quick to adjust to, whether on a player level, a team level, a macro process level? Like, how have you improved as a cash game projection guy this year? So one of the things I have set up um, in the background for myself is a, uh, I call it a discrepancy report where basically it compares every player's projection in the blitz to an aggregate of other systems. And it can kind of point out where the blitz might be a lot higher or a lot lower on a certain guy. And that kind of gives me the opportunity to go in and look and say, okay, why am I higher than, than these other systems? Is there something that I'm missing or is it something that they're missing? Um, and so that's been, that's been really helpful. That's yeah. And where, where obviously it's, you know, I've looked at the blitz projections. You often differ um, in specifically the dome game environments. Where else do you find yourself differing from the herd uh, most of the time? I'm a little reluctant to talk about it too much, but I think, I think pace is, is a big thing that the blitz gets right that other others don't account for enough. Um, gotcha. Vol I mean, volume is, is, crucial. I mean, we hear people talk all the time about, okay, this guy's getting so many touches or this guy's, you know, got this, this many targets or this target share or, or market share of targets, which is just the absolute worst way to say that because it makes no sense. Um, but pace can reduce or lower the volume for everybody. And if the whole game is, is going to, you know, have an extra 10 plays run, like that's going to make a big difference. And, and I think, uh, that is one thing that people are not paying enough attention to yet. Real quick before we start going uh, position by position, uh, I do got to mention a few things. We do have the uh, the rake-free double-up tournament this week on DraftKings. Um, last I checked, it was not full. Um, I need to make sure that that gets filled. Um, if you guys want this great game and cash games to continue to grow, we do need to fill this. You guys can find this in the announcement section of the Deposit Kingdom Discord. There's a link that's the only place that I uh, I post it. Um, I'm going to just check it right here for you guys right now. Derek, there is 155 people out of 300 in this double up. T can you just tell people how important game selection is and how rare it is to find a rake-free double up? Game selection is huge, and any anytime you can avoid the rake, you want to do it. Um, you know that that's one of the biggest challenges to being profitable is is the rake. And so if you have something with zero rake, that's that's pretty awesome. Yep. So um, you are you will be a losing player long term if you are not in this week eighteen rake free double up. So consider that um, before you move on with your DFS career. Um, you know, Derek, I do want to kind of just start, you know, uh, by by position here. And then I think as we kind of talk about positions, we can kind of see how the shell is really shaping up. Is it a pay up week at quarterback, a pay down? Is it a punt tight end week? Kind of all that stuff. But I think starting at quarterback, 
makes sense. We obviously have um, a ton of options on this main slate. Like when I'm looking here at the blitz projections, some of the guys at the top end who just project the best, you got your Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. But because of all of these backup quarterbacks being thrust into starting roles, we got a lot of cheap guys. You got your Nick Mullins, your Jeff Driscoll's, your Easton Sticks, your Blaine Gabbert. So where is your first kind of inclination uh, here at quarterback for week 18? It's Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins is the first guy that's coming, you know, pre-built into my lineup. Um, he projects as the third best quarterback of the entire week. Hertz and Fields are the only guys that project better, and he's only 5,100. Um, there are other cheaper guys that I think are fine. You know, I think people will probably play, some people will play Geno or Easton Stick, I think is, is okay. Uh, but Mullins is in, he's in the dome, which we know we love. Put your sweatpants on. And it's one of the most pass-heavy offenses in football. He has maybe the best receiver in football to throw to, plus Jordan Addison, plus uh, it's just, uh, it's just, it's a good spot. Nick Mullins is the guy. Yeah. And, you know, I think people are going to, you know, that people get worried about playing guys that don't have name brand recognition, right? Like that always makes people a little bit queasy. And I feel like in general, the cash game bros are willing to make an exception if one, they're really cheap, and two, they generally have a rushing floor. They're like, okay, this 4K guy sucks, but at least he'll run and I'll just bank those points. Nick Mullins kind of doesn't offer either of those things, right? Like <laughs> Nick Mullins, like I can look at your projection here for rushing yards, but that's not why you're excited about him, right? No, I'm excited about him because the Blitz is projecting him to throw 40 times this game, which is more than everybody in football except for Blaine Gabbert. Um it's uh you know it is scary the floor is is low if he doesn't uh if he doesn't score touchdowns if he throws interceptions if he's not getting points with his legs uh but we've seen two weeks ago i think it was two weeks ago maybe three weeks ago the blitz felt the exact same way about nick mullins it had him projected for like 330 yards or something insane uh and he went out and he threw for over 400 yards he also threw four interceptions but he finished with like 25 DraftKings points and you know, that's the kind of game we're kind of expecting for Nick Mullins here. It's just going to be volume. And uh, I, I think I think he's the guy. What? Okay. So uh, you're definitely selling me on Nick Mullins. Uh, say you are scanning through your head-to-heads on Sunday after we flip over the cards. What other quarterbacks or let's even say style constructions paying up for quarterback or just moving laterally to the other cheaper guys are you most okay with that you wouldn't say you're a total fish for what you did this week <laughs> where i would say or wouldn't say you're a total fish uh, how about a little both a little bit of both if you do <laughs> notice that there is a trend right now where some of these cash game fish are gravitating to right now i would say this week if you're paying up at quarterback, you're probably a fish. Like Hertz and Fields are fine. Obviously, their upside is great. They're expensive, and they're honestly not that much better than the cheaper guys. So I think there's probably several cheaper guys. If you play them, I'm not going to tell you you're terrible. Um, you should be playing Mullins, but if you play Geno Smith, you're fine. If you play Easton Stick, you're you're fine. Like. There are other options. Even Jeff Driscoll, if you want to go down to 4K, I'm not doing it. But it's not like the worst thing in the entire world. Um, but I, I think spending up this week is probably is probably not necessary. 
So we do now need to kind of discuss the elephant in the room. And I'm not quite done talking about quarterbacks here, but you already talked about Justin Jefferson projecting extremely well. You're talking about liking Nick Mullins. Uh, I did a show on Wednesday with a best ball thought leader named David Kitchen. He tried to jam in a Justin Fields, DJ Moore stack into our cash lineup. Um, I, I almost exploded uh, just from rage at what he tried to do there. But it sounds like you're pushing me potentially toward a stacking direction here. I'm getting queasy about that, but can you just talk both macro and micro on what a stack means for your cash game lineup? So obviously you're never going to intentionally stack in cash games. Thank you. There's no reason for it. When the value presents itself organically, uh, you can wind up with stacks just because that's what the best value is. You know, Nick Mullins is the best value at quarterback. Justin Jefferson is the best value at wide receiver. Okay, now I have a stack in cash games. It's fine. Not a big deal. There's even a third Viking that I think is viable in cash games this week um, that I wouldn't have a problem playing. But you're not going out of your way to do it. But if it happens where that's just who the best plays are, then that's who the best plays are. Yeah. So what you're saying is like we are individually going through these nine spots in our DraftKings lineup, when we are picking the best play individually in an uncorrelated fashion, but eventually we will just zoom out and we will look at our shell as it comes into focus and hardens before lock. And it just so might happen to have multiple players on the same team, even a quarterback wide receiver, but the decisions were not arrived from that top-down thesis. It was just in pulling back that that serendipity was revealed. Exactly. That's exactly it. Okay. Um, Let's see. You mentioned some of the other cheap quarterbacks. I mean, DraftKings cash game players are are suckers for a stone men guy. Jeff Driscoll at 4K, you do save 1100 off of Nick Mullins here. This is could be a gross outdoor weather game. Cleveland has nothing to play for. Amari Cooper listed out. Uh, Elijah Moore's questionable. How do you kind of handle that dynamic here? So there's actually even extra... Uh, uncertainty with a guy like Driscoll this week because Cleveland, historically, this coaching staff loves to run the ball. And that's what they've done for years and years and for most of this year, right up until Joe Flacco came to town. And then they're like, all right, let's be the most pass-heavy team in football because we have Joe Flacco now, I guess. Um, If they keep that pass-heavy rate, then Driscoll at 4K becomes really, really good. I think it's more likely they go back to a more conservative, run-heavy game plan. Um but at 4K, it's not it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, the good guys are going to be sitting, you know. Um, Najoku's probably going to be out. Both of the top receivers are probably going to be out, I would imagine. So who's he really going to have to throw to? You know, Cedric Tillman's going to be the the wide receiver one for for Cleveland this week, probably, which is not awesome. But again, it's cash game. It's cash game week 18. There's a lot of bad players going. There's a lot of teams sitting people and. You know, 4K Jeff Chris Driscoll isn't bad. I would rather find that extra thousand though to get Mullins. The um one other quarterback I want to ask you about because he does project as the second best points per dollar in the blitz right now. That is Geno Smith. And yeah. he has been a tricky one in that we know Pete Carroll just wants to run the ball. That guy, he might have the best wide receiver tree on the league. Doesn't fucking matter. Dude wants to run the ball. Um, a lot of people who had Geno stuff last week were frustrated, but they now get Arizona who is very friendly to all forms of offensive production. How do you think about Geno Smith here? Who's kind of in a pricing limbo at 6,100. 
Yeah, pricing limbo is a good way to say it. I like Geno Smith. I think he's an above-average quarterback. He obviously has three really talented receivers to throw to going into the Dome in Arizona. Bit of a slow-paced game, unfortunately, and his price is more expensive than Mullins. I don't have a problem with Geno if you want to play him. I mean, the, the big concern with Mullins, really, aside from him just being not a good quarterback, is I guess there's still a chance that he could be benched halfway through the game because that's what Minnesota has been doing. But I'd like to think that they've kind of cycled through enough times now where like, okay, they moved on from Dobbs. He hasn't been active for weeks and weeks. They tried Jaron Hall last week and they benched a mid-game from Nick Mullins. Like, they have to just think Mullins the guy, right? Like, they're not going to bench him for Jaron Hall this week. No way. If Dobbs is active, I'll be a little bit scared and maybe I'll think about Geno more. Um, but that that that's the big risk, in my opinion, um, between the two of them. Geno... As long as he's healthy, he's going to be out there. He's going to play, and that's you know he's going to be he's going to be pretty good. Uh, I want to zoom out just real quick again and ask you another thing. You, you mentioned kind of like the pace stuff. Does the spread and kind of like the game environment um, change how you think about some of these plays? Because I do think the Vikings and the Lions are a good one. Like the Lions are three and a half point favorites. The Vikings are projected to be behind to throw. That's conducive. The Cowboys are thirteen point favorites right like that's going to lend itself to more running but obviously their team totals could be similar it's just the flow of the game and how they get there might be different does that factor into your cash game considerations at all yeah it definitely does it factors in the into the projections um just because a team has a high team total that's actually one of the things that i think people make a mistake with especially cash game people like oh this this team has a high team total so we have to play someone from that game. I got to get exposure to that game. And that's just the biggest nonsense in the world. Um, just because the Cowboys have a high team total doesn't mean that all their guys are going to score a ton of fantasy points. You know, if they throw, you know, Dak Prescott might not even throw that much, you know? So you're, there's no guarantee that CeeDee Lamb or whoever you want to play is going to be scoring those touchdowns. And if he doesn't, and the game script is working against him, that's where you have these guys with 10 points. Who was it last week? I think he was pretty popular. He's a top wide receiver. And he wound up with like, like 10 points. I forget who it was, but like that can happen. Um, yeah. So you do want to consider game script and the way a game is going to play out and kind of how that's going to lead to volume because touchdowns are great and we get the most points off of touchdowns. But the thing that is most bankable is volume. Yep. Um, all right, let's, let's transition over to running back. Um, again, kind of dovetails with week 18 being very, very unique in that we have lots of backup running backs being thrust into starter roles. You kind of already hit on the Jordan Mason, uh, Eli Mitchell dynamic. We just talked about the Cowboys, big team total, Tony Pollard. Um, you know, you got guys like Ronnie Rivers stepping into a starting role uh, this week. How do you think about running back for week 18 from a macro perspective? It's the kind of week where we do have a lot of cheaper guys that are viable. Um, we have some guys that are stepping into bigger roles that we're not sure how big the role is going to be, but then we do have some that have kind of stepped into it the last couple of weeks and the price hasn't caught up with them yet. And so we can feel more certain about them. There, there's quite a few solid running back plays this week. and. There's the San Francisco one is potentially very appealing, but also potentially deadly if you make the wrong choice. <laughs> There's that, but uh, you know, I, I'm gonna trust that you're a little bit more in the weeds. I've been I've been grinding my cock off here, but I actually don't know, Derek. Are are the Niners offensive line, are those guys resting too? Are there any concerns there? 
I don't think they've said. So I think there's a decent chance that some of the some of the better linemen are going to be resting um, or at least playing limited snaps. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't seen anything specific about it yet, though. But I think it's a fair assumption. It, and, you know, this is unique, right, in that a lot of weeks this year, right, I mean, it would have just been like you're paying up for at least one of CMC and Kyron, if not two of those guys. They have just been projecting so well. We don't have, you know, any real top options. Even when I just sort by fantasy points, not even including salary, you're looking at Brees Hall at 7,200, Rashad White at 7,600. I mean, we don't have a lot of high-end options on this slate, even if you had the money to get there. That's exactly it. Like Brees Hall is kind of, if you're spending up, he's the guy that projects the best, but it's not like he projects that well. And so 7,200 for Brees Hall is probably unnecessary when you have a bunch of guys in the five to six K range that are all, you know, kind of similar to him anyway. So this doesn't seem like a spend up at running back week kind of me, kind of week. Would you when I'm looking at like the variation in fantasy points per dollar for the top running backs, it feels pretty tightly clustered clustered to me. Is this kind of a week where there is a little bit of a, a choose your own adventure, a little art more so than science in picking out, you know, which of these running backs you want to use? Yeah, there definitely is. There's a good, I don't know, six or seven running backs probably where I wouldn't tell you you're wrong to play them. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be very interesting in that regard. And it's also not a lot of guys that have, you know, exhibited a ton of talent. Like there isn't the real sexy play. Like if Brees Hall was like 5,900, everyone would be like windmilling it in on him. But yeah. versus the Patriots, that price tag. But guys like Ronnie Rivers, Zamir White, Zeke, Tony Pollard. I mean, these have been some of the most uninspiring athletic running backs in the league and yet they're projecting for really nice volume. So I don't have a feel for what my opponents are going to flip over on Sunday because no one's like rushing to click any of these guys. That's kind of how I feel. I don't have a good sense of who's going to be popular at running back yet. I think a lot of the names you mentioned, we're going to see a mix of them, probably a couple others in the mix as well. Uh, but it's like you said, none of them really stand out. So would this be like when you build your cash game shell are you starting like with the best values and then kind of seeing what fits at the end and if so would this be a week where you're kind of putting in your other pieces and then seeing what fits at running back for you i mean i'm not a hand builder i tend to use optimizers i tell you yeah i know um <laughs> i tend to like to see kind of what different lineup constructions look like you know in an optimal sense um and so that's kind of where I start. And I, you know, I, after looking at a bunch of optimal lineups, I kind of see, okay, these are the guys that are kind of making it into all of them. This is kind of the construction that makes the most sense. And then from there, you know, I'll, I'll look at the other pieces and kind of which, which combination of guys I like best. One thing that I really appreciate at the blitz is you do have the floor projection. It's something I care about a lot. And I am scanning um, a lot of these top running backs by points per dollar, and they all have a similar floor around seven, seven and a half to eight, maybe up to nine in some cases. But then there's one that sticks out as a sore thumb from a floor perspective. And that's one Mr. Ronnie Rivers, who does have, you know, a nice points per dollar relative to his 4K salary. Um, can you talk about the potential risk you're taking on with a guy like Ronnie Rivers, even at that salary? I mean, the potential risk you're taking on with Ronnie Rivers is that we don't even know for sure, like, 
how much work he's going to get. Like, yeah, presumably he's going to take on the lead role, but they still have Royce Freeman there. Presumably they'll try to get a little bit of a look at Zach Evans this week. Um, we don't know what the pass game volume for him is going to be like. Uh, there, there's a lot of uncertainty with a guy like that. Yep. And so is that because that's an interesting spot, right? Because if you are building out, um, you know, if we're paying down at quarterback um, and we don't like any of the high end running back options and sure, we're probably able to get in a couple good receivers and we'll have to talk about tight end in a second. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to spend some money somewhere. So are you saying maybe like Ronnie Rivers doesn't necessarily have to come into the conversation this week? Personally, I think I prefer Mason, especially especially if it looks like he's going to wind up being popular, which at the moment I think he probably will be. Um, I'd rather find the extra 600 and get up to Mason. I think it's a better better game script. I think the potential for more volume is there. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with Rivers. Like Just because we don't have anyone to spend up with at running back, like you can play one of these cheaper running backs and then spend up on two, two really good wide receivers. All right, let's uh, let's um, touch on this one because actually, from me just kind of scanning some other projection systems, the player you see most uh, differentiated with the market is Pierre Strong. I'm seeing Pierre Strong grayed out as a pretty strong value in some spots. He's like not even in your top twenty uh, points per dollar values. Talk about the Pierre Strong conundrum. I mean, right now it's just a matter of the Browns haven't at least unless it happened earlier today and I missed it, the Browns haven't announced, they've said they're going to rest starters, but like they've gone with like more of a committee approach all year with running backs. So like, we don't know, like is Jerome Ford just going to sit entirely? Is Kareem Hunt because he's older going to sit? Like is Pierre Strong going to get all the work or is it going to be a mix of all three of them, which is Pierre getting more than usual? Like there's a lot of uncertainty with that one. So right now the blitz is still kind of hedging it. It's got all three of those guys in there um, that might get adjusted as as game time gets closer but right now it's really just like i don't have a great feel for for who's really actually going to get the work there are there any other names kind of in the, i i think the other guy to talk about would be rashad white um obviously he's expensive um you have a couple guys projecting for more raw points than him but i would say for cash game players like myself rashad white has been a, a safe haven of floor this year. I mean, he just has such a good role, gets used in the pass game, gets the goal line carries. We already mentioned, you know, Tampa Bay has plenty to play for here. And if you have some money to spend, would you call someone an idiot for showing up with Rashad White in cash? <laughs> I probably wouldn't call them an idiot, but I definitely wouldn't be playing White in cash. I've certainly played him plenty of times this year, especially when his price was lower. The volume is great. The role is great. The matchup is fine. Uh, I just think that price is unnecessary. If I was going to spend up, I'd probably rather save 400 and play Brees Hall, uh, especially with the weather in that game. And, and with his much more significant role in the past game, I'd rather just have Hall if I'm spending up. Okay. All right. So you wouldn't, to their face, call them an idiot, but in your head, you would be thinking of them with kind of like an idiot lens. A little bit. Yeah. Like, okay. just like a, a slight idiot lens. Yeah. All right, let's uh let's head over to wide receiver. We kind of already did the Justin Jefferson versus CeeDee Lamb thing. Like when you just look at your raw points projection, you do have Jefferson ahead of CeeDee Lamb. So that's going to be a key differentiator for you. Um, 
this is also a unique week in that I feel like a dynamic for this year has been we haven't had lots of really strong punt play options at wide receiver. Um, it looks like based on your projections, you are seeing a couple open up in a way that's maybe uh, unique for week 18. Yeah, I'm not sure if the punt wide receivers are the way I'm going to go, but I do think there's a few that you can definitely consider this week. Uh, I believe Raymond is is potentially interesting, especially if we get you know any sort of news on what the Lions are going to do. Like obviously Dan Campbell, he's out here saying they're going to play, all, all the starters are going to play, and we know that he's a big, tough football guy, and so maybe that's the case. Uh, but really they don't have a lot to play for, so, you know, are we going to see more of Amon Ra on the bench and, and Raymond playing? Uh, Richie James at 3K for KC looks potentially interesting. Um, you know, Josh Reynolds in that same Detroit game, I think, is in. Like, there are guys like that. Um, but I don't know if I want to mess with them because there is a lot of uncertainty around them. Even, you know, you think about the cheap KC guys. Like, do we really know who the ball is going to in KC? Well, we, we no. don't. <laughs> So it, it sounds like if I'm reading between the lines here for you, this is probably uh, a pay up at wide receiver kind of spot. Uh, it sounds like you're going to have Jefferson. Is this um, potentially a spot where you'd have like three wide receivers over 6K or something? It's definitely possible. You know, in my current shell, as, uh, as I know the chat loves to call it, mm -hmm. um, I have two expensive wide receivers and I have one kind of mid, mid price 6K kind of guy. Um, that, that, those are the type of builds that I am looking at right now. Do you think, I mean, you certainly could make it fit, but do you think it would be viable to jam in both lamb and Jefferson into your cash shell? I, let me actually, I'm going to run a lineup real quick and just see what that looks like. Cause I haven't actually, Ooh. I haven't actually looked at that yet. Uh, so it looks like, uh, looks like you only lose about two points of projection to do that. You do wind up having to play. Um, a cheap running back and a really cheap wide receiver. So what it kind of comes down to, it looks like is basically like, do you want to play CD lamb and a cheap guy like Reynolds or, or um, uh, Richie James or someone like that? Or do you want to play, you know, Devonte Adams and Chris Olave or, or something like that? And right. for me, I think I prefer the, the second option. Like, I don't think yeah. CD is so good that, you know, you can, you can be okay taking a potential zero when you have two other guys who are basically alphas a lot cheaper and, and probably combined will be better. This is a good point. I'm glad historical anomalies brought this up. I flagged oh, yeah. this earlier in the week as something that could potentially flip the slate on its head. I assume <laughs> if Zay Jones were out, if Christian Kirk was playing at three K Christian Kirk would be the, the free square of all free squares. Yeah, he would be. If we knew Christian Kirk was going to play, we knew he was going to get, you know, his usual complement of snaps, he would be the lock. I haven't projected out right now. I mean, that could change. He is going to be a game time decision. So we'll have to see. That would flip the slate on its head, though, if he's if he's in there. And and then getting... and then playing CD uh might wind up being optimal. That might be play Kirk, CD, Jefferson, and that's your receivers. Right. Yeah, because you mentioned guys like Devontae Adams, Chris Olave, you know, they are projecting well, but they aren't, they don't necessarily give you the warm cash game fuzzies that like a Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, we're just the floor ceiling combination. And I, I feel sick even saying that word ceiling, but you know, we've seen Adams have really bad floor games. We've had, we've seen the floor fall out for Olave and yet they're projecting decently this week. How are you thinking about that dynamic? Yeah. 
they don't have the, you know, quote unquote floor that a guy like CD Lamb or Jefferson does, but they're also like 1500 less or 2000 less. So you can sacrifice a little bit of that. Devontae Adams, even though he has Aiden O'Connell as his quarterback and this team just wants to run the ball, he's still Devontae Adams. He's still really good. He has the highest target share basically of anybody in football. He's playing in a dome. Um, the Blitz loved Devontae Adams last week, and he exploded, and it likes him just as much this week. It is a slower-paced game, uh, not ideal, but at his price and his volume, I think Devontae's, Devontae's great. One other wide receiver I want to ask you about because he seems probably a little underpriced relative to his recent role, and that would be Tyler Lockett at 5,600, has had a couple, um, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, he had the 11 target game, and then last week he only has one catch. Is he kind of a tough projection for you this week? Not that tough. I love Lockett this week. He's kind of in that group with, okay, Devontae, Olave, you know, Lockett, if you need to save a little bit more money. Uh, I think they're all great this week. Lockett's role is steady. They're in a good spot in the Dome. He's got Geno. You know, the, the price is good on him. So, yeah, I like Lockett a lot. One other guy, um, I mentioned um, best ball fault leader, uh, David Kitchen tried to jam in a Justin Fields, uh, <laughs> DJ Moore stack. I, I see that you you actually have an okay projection on DJ Moore, but I mean, the volatility and the range of outcomes on him, I just don't think he's going to be getting anywhere near my shell. Um, if someone flipped over the cards with a uh, DJ Moore in their lineup, would you silently be uh, mumbling that they're an idiot? I mean, I don't want to speak bad about about thought leader David Kitchen, but I mean, he's not a guy that I'm considering. Uh, yeah. It's a super run heavy offense. It's they're facing a slow paced team. It's outdoors. Uh, the total's not that high. I, uh, I mean, DJ Moore's fine, but I, I prefer guys like Devonte Olave Lockett. I, I think they're better. So it sounds like the biggest decision for Cash Game Nation is going to be like what strata of kind of wide receiver you're trying to get to. If you're trying to do like the two Uber elite in the punt, or if you're going to try to live, you know, mainly over that kind of like in that solid tier, but not necessarily elite. And it does seem like, and we'll talk about tight end, but that you're not, you don't really need to go punt it off at wide receiver this week. No, you definitely don't have to. There, there are a couple of good punt options at tight end, which we'll get to. There's a, there's a good spend up option too, but Personally, I kind of like living, unless we get Christian Kirk, I kind of at the moment am leaning towards living in, get all the solid guys as opposed to a punt guy that we really don't know any, like we don't have any, any kind of real sense of what he's going to do. All right, let's head over to a tight end position. I I, I do want to do a couple plugs here. Derek, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know, you know, you've given up a lot of alpha. I'm, you know, trying to tease out the inputs to the blitz model. Let the people know. Um, where they can check you out if they want to, you know, hop in on the Blitz train. How do they do that? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek Hardy. You can buy a subscription to the Blitz over at Roto Grinders. Um, if you're into sports betting, the Blitz does that too. EV Analytics has a subscription there. I do shows with covers and unabated. Um, it's been a really good year betting. Um, so yeah, that's there. That's you go. Follow uh, Derek on Twitter. We I just pulled up his uh, handle here on the screen at Derek Cardi. I got it in the show notes. Also, we do have the uh, the Cash Game uh, King merch available. I believe I have some of that linked in the YouTube. If you go to the store, I also am wearing today the Please Scoop Me Bro, the Please Scoop Me Bro 
uh, long sleeve fits really nice and uh, and is really the only thing I like to wear when I'm tweaking my shell. Um, let's head to tight end here. I feel like tight end, man, this is where it really gets fun this week because, you know, the old adage for me, you, you pay down at tight end, you don't get up. Um, yet we do have some good pay up options this week. You, you know, Trey McBride has been a monster. Evan Ingram has been a target monster, not a bad spot for Dalton Schultz. And yet when I sort by points per dollar here on the blitz, it does look like we're probably paying down this week. Yeah, there's been plenty of times I've paid up for McBride this year, and I wouldn't tell you you're wrong to do it this week, uh, especially if some of that value opens up. The Christian Kirk thing maybe makes it more viable. But I think the cheaper guys are probably the way to go, especially if you're trying to live in that range with no bad wide receivers. Uh, I think a cheap tight end is the way to make that work. And you, uh, there was a little Chekhov's third tight end or third Viking mentioned earlier. I assume <laughs> if I bring up the name Johnny, Johnny Munt, that was who you were referring to earlier? That was who I was referring to, yeah. I don't think he'll be as popular as the other cheap option, but the Blitz does really like him. With Hawkinson out last week, he ran a, a route on 82% of the snaps. Like that's basically like that's almost as much as Jordan Addison is out there. He had a 24% target share. Ah, uh, and then we know we like this Viking, or I like this Vikings game. So Johnny Munt at 3K or 3-1 or whatever he costs uh looks really good. I think the chalkier guy is gonna be Noah Gray, and he's cheaper. And so I probably will will lean that direction. But I do really like Munt. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting, I mean, let's, let's just circle back and would, I guess it would be a lot trickier if Munt was projecting as the best value. Um, it sounds like you would have no problem having three Vikings in your lineup because he is grading out as a slightly worse value than Noah Gray. You might be able to sidestep that, but in that reality, would you be comfortable with three Vikings? I would, I'd have no problem with it. Um, you know, especially like if Noah Gray wasn't on the slate, I'd be playing month. I'd be playing three Vikings and I'd have no problem at all. Again, we're close. Maybe you want to lean away from the correlation. You want to play Gray instead of month. Um, so because of the correlation, because of the ownership factor, I think you probably lean, lean Gray. Uh, but in a world where he doesn't exist, then yeah, I play, play three Vikings. I'm fine with that. I've done that before. So, because I think. I want you to put yourself in my shoes. Cause like I hear you out in your logic on the three Vikings. Like I, I get it, but the optics of the scenario for me, if everyone starts running to post screenshots of my cash game lineup on Sunday <laughs> and I have a double stack in there, they'll say I've just relapsed as a GPP bro. And like strictly optics wise, like I'll be able to shout from the mountaintops points per dollar, go look at the values. I will have lost the optics PR war if I do that. And that that's just something I have to consider. Yeah, no, you, you can't. I mean, you have to consider your brand. And for you, I, I understand why, why that's not really going to be an option. Okay. Um, one other cheap tight end down here, uh, Raymond uh, shouting it out here, Gerald Everett. Um, he's at 3,900 here in that same game. Uh, as Noah Gray, what are your what are your thoughts on him? His targets have obviously really picked up with Keenan Allen out. Yeah, the Blitz sees him as kind of like the fourth best tight end this week after Gray Munt and McBride. So with Keenan Allen out, with Palmer out, with obviously Mike Williams has been out forever. Uh, Everett's the guy there. He, he's been the alpha. He's been getting all the targets. His price is still reasonable. I'm fine with Everett if you want to play him. But I do think, I don't think he gives you that much more 
than a guy like Gray or Munt, and that extra thousand or fifteen hundred in salary is going to make a difference. The only other player that kind of stands out comparing you to other projection systems, I'm seeing Jake Ferguson grade out, and this is probably a macro thing with other people higher on the Cowboys offense, obviously the Lamb Jefferson. Is this a similar thing with Ferguson just not quite as good of a value because you don't like that game environment as much? Yeah, that's what it's going to be. It's just going to be lower on the Cowboys passing game in general because there's it's outdoors. There's such huge favorites. that That's what it's going to, going to come down to with Ferguson. Yeah, I don't really think there are any other kind of tight end spots to discuss here. I guess I guess the last one I would ask, because he does project for the third most raw points for you. Um, like if I were if I had the 4200, I would prefer to play Schultz to Everett. And I mean your projections back that up. And so then I start to get into that territory where I'm only 300 apart. It's like if you were in that range for Everett, even though he's a technically a better points per dollar value, do you just get up to Schultz? You could get up to Schultz, especially especially if you want to play the the incentive narratives game. Like he's one of the guys that has those those contract incentives this week. I think if he catches like seven, that's balls a tiebreaker. That's where we're allowed to do it. This feels like a tiebreaker to me. Yeah. If you're down to Everett or Schultz, I'm fine using that as a tiebreaker for Schultz. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, I like that one there. Um, let's head over to, uh, to defense to, uh, to wrap up here. Um, uh, what are your kind of normal things you're considering for defense just in general, before we get into the granular stuff in general, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about defense, whichever defense fits into my lineup. That's the one I generally am going to play. Uh, week 18, we have a bunch of backup quarterbacks going, so that's going to factor into the the decision. With defense, I think uh, people focus a little bit too much sometimes on like the opposing team total, but where defense is going to get most of its points is from sacks and interceptions and that kind of thing. Uh, and so just raw volume on the other side of the ball is a good thing for a defense. So a defense this week, uh, like the Chargers, looks pretty good because KC is going to be uh, sitting their starters, but they're super pass heavy team to begin with. They're going to let Gabbert throw the ball. And so that's going to ultimately probably lead to some good things for the chargers. I think the Bengals are going to be popular this week, but if Cleveland is going to go back to being really run heavy, maybe not as much volume as people are going to be banking on. Uh, but those are kind of the types of defenses that I tend to look at. One spot, and again, you know, these confer these converted GPP bros, they might say, um, you know, screw you, Cardi. I love Pierre Strong. I'm playing him, but also not screw you, Cardi. You have the Bengals defense projected very well, but oh no, having my running back going against my defense, that might be a bug in GPPs. But isn't th that's a feature in cash games, right? You're just blocking in some points from that game in in either direction. Yeah, that that's fine. Um I have no problem playing a defense um, in my lineup where I also have offensive players from the other side because they can both get there pretty easily. So it's it's not not a problem. It looks like if you uh, have you ever paid up for defense in your life in cash games? <laughs> uh, I have once or twice. Uh, I forget who it was. The middle of this year, there was like a four K defense that was like projected super well and was super chalky. Um, I, for, I forget who it was. It was probably like week 10 or so. Um, so there, there are occasions. 
but for the most part, I'm on the cheaper side with defense. Yeah, I will say like this week we don't have any like fun stone men like type defenses. Like you can't no. entertain the Commanders versus the Lions. You can't entertain the Giants versus Philly. Like what was it a couple weeks ago that that Patriots versus Bills? Like that was a really nice one. There is there any like true punted off defenses, Cardinals, Panthers that you would even consider? I think the Panthers is probably the most I would do 2.5 K yeah. um, anything below them. I, I really don't think is if you have to, you know, if it's an extra, you know, you need the extra $200 to get CD lamb somehow like, okay, play the, you know, the giants or whoever you have to, but I don't think you're going to have to do that this week. Yeah. Would you say like, as far as um, like cash game weeks and as far as things coming together, obviously you rely on your projections and, and stuff, but for like everyone from the outside, is this one of the more choose your own adventure cash weeks of the year that you've seen, or is this kind of a median week? This is definitely a bit more of a choose your own adventure cash week, especially if the field is going to be on like the cheap wide receiver builds, because there is going to be a bunch of cheap wide receivers. You can kind of choose your adventure from um, there's going to be the cheap running backs that, you know, are you going to pick Mason? Are you going to pick Mitchell? Are you going to play uh, Ronnie rivers? Like there are, there are a lot of unknowns this week and it does seem like, I think some people are going to have to embrace at least one of them. Yeah. Any, uh, any other kind of macro thoughts on roster construction? It seems like we're kind of, you know, it, it's weird that we don't, it would be a little bit more fun, right? If we had just like a really good pay up quarterback option, and then it was really fun or just like a slam dunk, like 5k tight end, because it does seem like everything is funneling toward pay down QB, pay down tight end, pay down slash mid range running back, and then try to get up at wide receiver. That's, that's the way it's working out for me. I think that's kind of the optimal build. Um, with, you know, some pieces you can exchange here and there, but that's the way, that's the way I see it being the best way to build this week. So we might have very similar overall roster constructions, but there's still enough of a choose your own adventure aspect at tight end running back wide receiver that we might not be doing like, you know, one V ones, two V twos. We might still be like a little three V three maybe yeah, this week. Yeah. I think there's still three V threes, four V fours that you can see out there, um, easily. Um, okay. Uh, all right. To wrap up here, you know, I didn't think I was going to do this, uh, but historical anomalies wants us to build the shell. So without further ado, let's go ahead and build the shell.